Good morning. Happy Thursday. Key day for former President Trump and members of his inner circle. Yeah, from Florida to Washington, D.C., we have what you need to know. It's August 18th. This is today. Trouble in Trump world, the Mar-a-Lago search in the spotlight as the judge hears arguments on whether to release the affidavit supporting that decision. This comes after President Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, spent six hours in front of a grand jury investigating election interference. And Trump's chief financial officer is expected to plead guilty to tax violations today. We'll have complete coverage. Course correction, the director of the CDC issues a scathing report on her own agency, admitting the COVID response was far from perfect. We learned some hard lessons over the last three years. It's the agency's responsibility to learn from those lessons and do better. Now she's promising improvements and major changes within the CDC, but can they act fast enough with new threats like monkeypox looming? Drying up, critical reservoirs out west are shrinking, fueling fears of water shortages amid desperately dry conditions and heat. We have everything you need to know, and Owl standing by with the forecast. Cruises under control, demand is soaring, and prices are plummeting as these massive ships relax their COVID restrictions. We're just ready for everything to get back to normal. But not everyone's happy about those requirements going away, so should you take advantage of the incredible deals out there or wait to take a vacation? We'll have the very latest. Those stories plus beating the odds, the little leaguer who nearly died in a freak accident over the weekend awake and even talking this morning after the support he got from his baseball heroes. Hey, Easton, it's Mookie Betts. We're live with the overnight update on his miraculous recovery. And Water Baby, Fritz the Hippo's on the move, exploring his habitat at the Cincinnati Zoo for the first time. Now he's ready to take on the world. Today, Thursday, August 18th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Happy you're joining us on this Thursday morning. Look at Fritz. I mean, off and running. Can't get enough Fritz. He's uh -huh. so cute. He's on the, look, he's, the, he's in the outside pool for the first time. He's staying close to mommy, but yeah. he's he's venturing out. Uh, and wow. that's, that's the baby hippo. Yeah. We're, we're obsessed with this obsessed. summer. Obsessed. So yeah. we'll, we'll have an update more on that in a little sure. bit. But we've got two major stories to begin with this morning. In just a few hours, a hearing set to start on whether a judge will release the affidavit which was filed in support of the Mar-a-Lago search warrant. Yeah, meantime, as we mentioned, Rudy Giuliani questioned for six hours in front of a Georgia grand jury after he was named a target in the Fulton County DA's election fraud probe. We've got it all covered. We're going to start with NBC's Sam Brock. He's in West Palm ahead of today's hearing. Hey, Sam, good morning. Hoda Savannah, good morning. That hearing begins at 1 o'clock Eastern in the building right behind me. And it comes with the backdrop of the DOJ warning that unsealing the affidavit could compromise the investigation or potentially any future witnesses. Now, as for the document, we know it likely contains key clues as to why investigators went into Mar-a-Lago in the first place as calls for transparency grow. The pressure for the federal government to show its cards in last week's unprecedented search of former President Trump's Florida home now set to come to a head in a federal courtroom, even as investigators continue to sift through a trove of documents. The same judge who signed off on the search warrant will hear arguments from a wide-ranging group, Trump's legal team, his allies, 
and media organizations, including NBC News, who've pushed for the affidavit to be unsealed. We want it released. We want full and complete transparency for the American people. The legal wrangling comes after an inventory of items taken was released, revealing 11 sets of classified documents, some marked top secret. The Washington Post, citing people familiar with the investigation, has reported some were connected to nuclear weapons. Legal experts say a release during a highly sensitive investigation would be extremely unusual. If there's an ongoing criminal investigation, in other words, a legitimate law enforcement purpose for keeping an affidavit sealed, most judges would defer to that. In fact, I would say all judges would defer to that. The Justice Department argues a release could cause significant and irreparable damage to this ongoing criminal investigation. Former Vice President Mike Pence weighing in on Wednesday. The American people have a right to know. But Pence also pushing back on recent threats to the FBI. We can hold the Attorney General accountable without attacking rank and file law enforcement personnel. The former VP also asked if he'd participate with the unrelated January 6th investigation, in which some Capitol attackers called for Pence's hanging. If there's ever any formal invitation rendered to us, we'd give it due consideration. Following a crushing primary loss for the committee's vice chair, Liz Cheney, Trump blasting her on social media as too angry and sick to succeed in the future. But Cheney says she'll continue her committee work and fight to keep Trump from a second term. Are you thinking about running for president? That's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, but it is something that I, uh, I'm thinking about. As for the hearing later today, it is possible the judge tries to find some kind of middle ground and release perhaps a portion of the affidavit, but according to legal experts, it would still be filled in that case with redactions. Guys. And Sam, this comes as former President Trump's longtime chief financial officer. He is expected to plead guilty, and this is in a separate investigation. What can you tell us? Separate investigation. The expectation is that Weisselberg is going to plead guilty to 15 charges related to not paying taxes on roughly $1.7 million worth of income in Hoda as part of a larger plea agreement. He would cooperate with the federal government and perhaps testify against the Trump's organization, but there is no indication he would cooperate in any investigation against the former president. Hoda. All right, Sam Brock, Forrest here in West Palm Beach, Florida. Sam, thank you. In the meantime, President Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, faced a grilling for six hours before a grand jury in Atlanta yesterday. Giuliani testifying as a target of the criminal probe looking into possible 2020 election interference there. NBC's Blaine Alexander has more on that part of the story. Blaine, grand juries meet in secret behind closed doors. Do we know what Giuliani was willing to talk about? Did he say what he testified to? Well, Savannah, good morning to you. We do not know specifically what Rudy Giuliani was asked under oath. And after that testimony yesterday, his attorney declined to discuss any of the specifics, citing grand jury secrecy. But we do know that it very likely centered around statements that Giuliani made to Georgia lawmakers back in 2020, just on the heels of the presidential election, where he came forth and made a number of false claims and really conspiracy theories about the election here in Georgia. Now, beforehand, his attorney did give some sort of indication as to what Giuliani would not talk about. He said that Giuliani would not discuss any conversations that he had with former President Trump, citing attorney-client privilege. Savannah. Heading into this, Giuliani was informed by the prosecutor that he has become a target in the probe. It's a term of art, meaning he, he could be indicted himself. What kind of charges potentially would that mean? 
You know, the DA here in Fulton County has indicated that this could lead to possible charges ranging from racketeering to possible conspiracy charges. Remember, all of this centers around an investigation into the former president's efforts to overturn the election here in Georgia, to meddle in the election, specifically that phone call that he made to Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, essentially asking him to find enough votes in order to overturn Biden's victory here in Georgia. Now, overnight, the former president weighed in again on this phone call, calling it a perfect phone call. But all of this is really opening up the former president and his inner circle to criminal exposure. Now, keep in mind, the DA has made it clear that she is not going to shy away from any sort of charges here. And this morning, Georgia's governor is also fighting a subpoena of his own, calling it politically motivated. Savannah. All right, a lot of moving pieces there, Blaine. Thank you very much. Now to America's ongoing battle with inflation. New retail numbers are showing the toll of rising prices, including the impact on families, on small businesses, and big box retailers. NBC's Maggie Vespa joins us from outside of Target in Chicago. She's got the latest. Hey, Maggie, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. Yeah, we'll start here. The retail giant announcing it has taken a stunning hit with Target's second quarter profits falling roughly 90% over the last year. This, as new federal data shows, just how much everyday Americans are stretching their budgets to try and make ends meet. From major retailers to everyday families. I can tell my kids, you know, it's just the stuff that you need, not the stuff that you want. The ripple effects of inflation are reaching every corner of American life. Target confirming their second quarter profits plummeted roughly 90% from last year, with executives blaming price slashes on excess merchandise, goods stuck on cargo ships during the pandemic that have now arrived in mass. Consumers grappling with their own money woes. We try to go from store to store and get, you know, whatever is cheaper. Less than 24 hours after President Biden promised relief via the Inflation Reduction Act, new federal data shows between June and July spending remained stagnant, with Americans shifting minimal savings from falling gas prices to afford basics. Online shopping is up, as are some retail sectors, namely food sales, but not nearly enough to cover decades-high inflation. Translation? Families are spending more on less. Yeah, everything here is store brand. While restaurants patiently take the hit. One day, chicken wings are affordable and great, and the next day, you can't afford chicken wings for the price. At Stadium Club in McCook, Illinois, Steve Palmer changes the menu weekly to work around fluctuating prices. The stress holds steady. My house is, is on the line for my business. So if I have a bad week, you know, who knows? The toughest part, the uncertainty. Experts share that pain. We're still a bit confused about where this economy is going. The economy is neither sort of plunging nor soaring. It's kind of holding there in the middle and we're waiting to see what happens. And guys, one retail sector in particular that took a big hit month to month is car sales. Auto sales down roughly 1.5%. And dealers tell us it's not because demand is low. They say they actually don't have the inventory. Amid the chip shortage, they literally don't have the cars to sell. With some customers waiting 8 to 10 months for the car they want to buy to be available, just adding to that frustration for, again, everyday Americans. Yeah. Hold indeed. Up. All right, Maggie Vespa for us here in Chicago. Maggie, thank you. Also this morning, a scathing rebuke of the CD. And it came from the agency's own director. For the first time, Dr. Rochelle Walensky 
said the CDC failed to respond quickly enough to the COVID pandemic and needs to be overhauled. And this is, of course, coming as the CDC is confronting new threats, including monkeypox and a troubling reappearance of polio, too. NBC's national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is on the story for us. Gabe, good morning. Savannah, good morning. The new, the new steps grew out of an external review the CDC director had ordered back in April. It's a blunt acknowledgement that the CDC fell short with so many lives at stake. This morning, a sweeping reorganization of the CDC is underway after the agency's director offered a stunning rebuke of its COVID response. Dr. Rochelle Walensky now says in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. We learned some hard lessons over the last three years, and as part of that, it's my responsibility, it's the agency's responsibility to learn from those lessons and do better. Throughout the pandemic, the CDC has been blasted for shifting guidance over masks. Kind of just laughed because it was like two weeks ago. I feel like they just like, like got rid of it. Testing. It seems like you all don't talk amongst yourself and other recommendations. Why is the guidance so confusing? Thank you for the opportunity to clarify. The agency's external review found public guidance had been confusing and overwhelming, that CDC leaders rotated out every few months, and that important data were inexplicably released too late to inform federal decisions. The changes now include a new executive council, a new equity office, and a more streamlined website. Dr. Walensky also plans to ask Congress to grant the CDC new powers, including mandating that local jurisdictions share their data. Our government agencies um, weren't designed to manage a once-in-a-century crisis like this. And I think while many of them performed admirably, there is no question in my mind uh, that, that these agencies could have done better. The course correction comes as federal officials face criticism over the monkeypox vaccine rollout and new concerns about polio, just the second instance of U.S. community spread in 43 years. Last week, health officials announced that polio had been detected in New York City's wastewater. Make sure that your children are protected because this is a very, very serious disease. A polio vaccine clinic opening in Rockland County, New York. I may have gotten it as a child, but I wasn't sure about my records, and my so that's why I came. Still, the CDC says almost all children, 93% across the U.S., are vaccinated against polio before the age of two. If you aren't sure, most states do allow you to request immunization records online. Doctors say a polio booster is not recommended if you got your initial vaccine as a kid's event. All right, Gabe, thank you very much. It is 714. Let's say hi to Craig. We've got some important news yeah. to a drought. Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. That's right. Conditions across the country desperately dry this morning. The West is in the midst of a 23-year drought. And as reservoirs dry up, states are haggling over who has access to the limited resources. Mr. Roker is standing by with more on the hot and dry weather. But first, we turn to NBC's Steve Patterson. He is in an arid Los Angeles. Steve, good morning to you. Craig, good morning to you. The Colorado River serves as a hydropower highway all the way from Lake Powell to Lake Mead, the nation's largest reservoir, where all that excess water is banked in a system that supplies water to 40 million people in the West. Now that supply is dwindling, and the crisis is serving as a microcosm for the problems associated with climate change. On the surface, the boundless beauty of the Colorado River feels eternal. But just underneath, an increasingly urgent threat is rising faster than ever before. The Colorado River is about 20% smaller than it was just 20 years ago. 
That river supplies water to seven states and 40 million people. Now, the system that sustains it is simply no longer robust enough to maintain that output. We really need to reduce the amount of water we're taking out of the Colorado River by, you know, something like 20 percent for the long term. The river's two main reservoirs, Lake Powell and Lake Mead, are now nearly three-fourths empty and projected to continue dropping. Facing a tier two shortage for the first time in history, authorities say in January, Arizona will lose 21% of its yearly water allocation from the river as Nevada loses 8%. And just to give you a sense of the scope of this crisis, you go back before the drought and where I'm standing right now, I'd be about 40 feet underwater. The consequences of drought and water shortages are now playing out everywhere. In the Northeast, water restrictions in 78 New Hampshire communities. This past July was the hottest on record for Texas since 1895 and the fifth driest in that same time period. 34% of the Midwest is abnormally dry or experiencing drought, 70% of the West is in a moderate drought, and 98% of California is in a severe drought. Farmers are now facing an uncertain future. Third-generation Arizona farmer Nancy Kaywood says less than half of her 247-acre farm is producing crops. We're not making money. We don't know how long we can hang in there. The crisis creating a domino effect. Less availability and higher prices in grocery stores and restaurants, no work for laborers, and billions of dollars in lost revenue. A startling new reality impacting every level of life from coast to coast. So the drought is bad, but we are not at the point where tap water will suddenly stop flowing. The bigger impact truly is agricultural. So food variety, availability, and pricing will be most impacted. Craig? Steve Patterson for us with an important story out there. Steve, thank you so much. Knew it was bad. Didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, no, all over the country. I mean, Al, you've been talking about this well for decades, but, I mean, we're really seeing... The chicken's coming home to roost. We are, and in fact, uh, we are looking at drought even here in the Northeast. Uh, in fact, you can take a look. Rainfall totals more than 400% of average in Nevada and in Arizona, but they again, they don't get all that much rain, whereas we've only had about 0 to 50% of the average rainfall we need so far for this month. And as you can see, take a look at these comparisons. Flagstaff, Arizona has gotten almost two-thirds, uh, two inches and 79 hundredths of an inch of rain. Philadelphia, just a little bit more than two inches of rain. Phoenix, three quarters of an inch. Boston, about a quarter of an inch of rain. And then Las Vegas, uh, 61 hundredths of an inch, whereas Providence, we haven't even had a half an inch of rain there. Now, down in the southwest, we do have, again, a flash flood risk because we've got this potential for heavy rain and flooding because of that monsoonal moisture we talk about. Happens every time this year. The problem is, it's so arid, so dry, there's nowhere for that water to go. So we're talking low Locally, three to five inches of rain from Tucson, Silver City, Phoenix, Albuquerque, El Paso, and Roswell, but we could also see flooding. It, it's a case of too much of a good thing all at once, so we're going to be watching that very closely. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Well, coming up, the tears of relief from the family of a little boy who was seriously injured. After falling out of a bunk bed, he was at the Little League World Series getting ready to play. His parents say he's awake now. And from Little League to the Major League, wait to see how the baseball world is rallying around him. Plus, as cruise lines relax their COVID rules and offer some new amazing deals, it's full steam ahead for bookings, but should you be rushing to jump on board right now? <laughs> Everything you need to know, but first, <laughs> this is today Thank on you. NBC. That is incredible. That's, 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 that's like a foghorn.
7.30 now, Thursday morning, 18th of August, 2022. That is a wow. wow. These are images from astronaut Bob Hines posting the Aurora Borealis as seen from the International Stop Space it. Station, wow. which is a pretty cool vantage point. He's been aboard it since April, but my goodness. Is that like a no filter? Yeah, I was just going to say, wow. there's no, you would think that he yeah. used the filter, but probably wow. not. No, wow. I think that's a, incredible. Amazing. I've always what wanted to see that. Yeah, too. the Northern too. Lights. Me too. Today's show goes to the Northern Lights. Sign let's go. Okay. Sign us All up. right. Uh, let's go. 7.30 headlines. It's Thursday morning. And then the tragic death of actress Anne Heche has been officially ruled an accident. The Los Angeles medical examiner says Heche died from smoke inhalation and burns, suffered after her car crashed into a house and burst into flames. She's 53 years old, removed from life support, and then she died on Sunday, nine days after that accident. A federal judge has ordered CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens to pay a combined $650 million to two Ohio counties for damage caused by the opioid crisis. The money will be used for ongoing treatment and community programs. A jury found that pharmacies had continued to dispense large quantities of opioids for years despite warning signs that they were being abused. The drug chains plan to appeal that decision. Got some good news for you. Just in time for football season, chicken wing prices have now dropped to below their pre-pandemic levels. The wholesale price is now at a four-year low. You'll probably remember wings went soaring when the pandemic hit and Americans were stuck at home snacking, but demand has slowed with so many people now returning to work and also because many restaurants switched from expensive wings to the cheaper boneless. Great version. news for Bones with Sauce fans. That's right. Morning. I, I know you, you could care less. Of which them. I know you are one. I am. All right. Well, we've got a story this morning that has signs of hope, a near tragedy. It happened at the Little League World Series in Pennsylvania, but we've got a good update this morning. Here's what happened. A 12-year-old from Utah suffered a life-threatening injury to his head just two days before the games began in Williamsport. But a new update from his family shows that little boy is on the road to recovery this morning. NBC News Now anchor Joe Fryer is here with more. Joe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Easton Oliverson's family says that it's because of the power of prayer that he's recovering at the speed he is right now. They hold strong to their faith that the young left fielder will beat the odds. For 12-year-old Easton, the tank Oliverson, reaching the Little League World Series was a dream come true. But a tragic accident on Sunday quickly turned his world upside down. The young left fielder fell from his top bunk inside a Little League dorm, sending him to the ICU with a fractured skull and internal bleeding. We went from experiencing the highs of highs to then the lows of lows and to the point where he's just he's fighting for his own life. And now, just days after his surgery, this morning, signs of improvement. You fell asleep on me. A family-run Instagram account, Miracles for Tank, posted he is no longer sedated and starting to wake up more. Adding Easton has displayed tremendous progress, showing a desire to eat and remembering his name and age in front of his doctors. Statistically, he should have passed away, but here he is three days later. It is, it is remarkable. Since the injury, a flood of prayers and support have streamed in for Easton, including a message from his hero, Los Angeles Dodgers right fielder Mookie Betts. I just want you to know that we are praying for you, thinking of you, and I hope to see you soon, my man. The Little League World Series released a statement to NBC News acknowledging the bunk beds did not have guardrails, adding, out of an abundance of caution, Little League has made the decision to remove all bunks from within the dorms and have each bed frame individually on the floor. 
it's going to take time. It's going to be a long road for East, but we have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to live a life that we're hoping for. Okay, this Amen. is like a true yeah. miracle story, Joe. And, and I think this is so interesting because there's somebody who's going to take his place yeah, on the field. Out, Easton has a little brother. His name is Brogan, and he yesterday flew to Williamsport mm. to take his brother's place on the wow. team as an alternate. How cool is that? The team, they are the Snow Canyon All-Stars from Utah, the first Little League team from Utah to make it the Little League World wow. Series. So uh, I think we'll be watching them. I think the yeah. first game is tomorrow. Wow. Okay. Whole legion of new fans. No kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, as summer winds down, we're going to find out just how bad this year's flu season could be. Plus, we'll answer that question. Who should get a shot and when you should get that shot? And cruises, they're relaxing their COVID rules, offering some really incredible deals, trying to get people back on board. Emily Aketa has everything you need to know. Hey, Emily. Good morning. The cruise industry is sailing back to normalcy, and by signing up for email alerts with the companies, you can help get the best deal possible. We'll have more tips for you to help make that be you for an affordable price. Coming up, stay with us. This morning on today's Consumer Confidential, the cruise industry is back. And with COVID restrictions now loosening, uh, we're hearing that demand is skyrocketing. Through the roof. So where should you go for the best deals? And is it best to book your trip now or should you wait? NBC's Emily Akeda is on the case. She's got everything we need to know. Hey, Emily. Good morning. Well, during the pandemic, cruises, it really just wasn't the same experience. First, we saw those mask mandates and then vaccination requirements that excluded some families from setting sail on waters like these. Well, now a lot of cruise companies, they're scaling back those COVID requirements and offering deep discounts to get more people on board. This morning, it's full steam ahead for cruisers. Most lines now relaxing their vaccination and testing requirements and reservations are through the roof. At Norwegian, ticket sales for next year up 40% compared to pre-pandemic levels. And at Carnival, bookings have nearly doubled. There's been a massive surge. At our agency, we're looking at two to 300% increase of bookings from just two weeks ago. Strict vaccine rules were essential to the cruise industry's comeback last summer when the CDC made it all but impossible for the unvaccinated to sail and most passengers had to show proof of a negative test. But last week, the agency relaxed its COVID guidelines on top of dropping the mandate that cruise lines had to report their cases. In response, most companies loosening their rules, requiring less testing for vaccinated passengers and allowing the unvaccinated on board with proof of a negative test. We're just ready for everything to get back to normal. During the pandemic, avid cruiser Danielle Matthews couldn't bring her kids along because they're unvaccinated. Now they're all booked on a cruise to Cozumel in October. The kids were just ecstatic that they finally, you know, get to do this now. But not all cruise fans are thrilled with the relaxed rules. One survey finding 56% say they prefer most passengers be vaccinated and 44% say they wouldn't feel safe on board. That said, uh, another half are fully ready to start moving into that new era where unvaccinated passengers are allowed on board. Staffing shortages have left some lines struggling to meet demand, forcing them to limit capacity and cut back on amenities. Many now enticing customers with great deals. 
on MSC, a one-night Mediterranean cruise for $49 a person, plus taxes and fees. On Holland America, seven nights to Canada and New England for $129. On Royal Caribbean, a four-night Bahamas cruise for $129. And on Norwegian, 40% off all cruises through the end of the month. Now is a great time to book because there's availability, quite frankly. We're starting to see that disappear. And if you want to go, you're going to need to book while there's still space. So, Emily, if you're looking to book a cruise right now, what are some tips to get a really good deal? Savannah, a couple things to keep in mind. First, you want to be flexible if you can with your travel dates, especially if you're going to a really popular destination. Try to book just outside of peak season. Also, keep an eye and track price changes. If you see a rate drop, you can request before your final payment to get that lower price or at least an onboard credit. And then sign up for emails from cruise companies. They will often alert you to some of the best deals, especially if they're last minute. If you're looking to set sail, the CDC still recommends that you're fully vaccinated vaccinated and you test before and after your trip. Guys, back to you. All right, Emily, thank you very much. Well, tomorrow on today, mm -hmm. guys, we're going to be covering a growing problem sweeping across the country. An invasive bug. There it is right there. It's, it's the spotted lanternfly. It may look beautiful, but it is wreaking absolute havoc in some states, attacking agricultural crops, feeding on the sap from dozens of plants. And these pests can, can quickly overwhelm vineyards and orchards as well with the potential to cause millions of dollars in damage. We'll cover that also what authorities say you should do if you should see one. And the, you can probably guess what you should do if you should see one. The spotted you Something new this? to worry oh. about. <laughs> yeah. Invasive species are a big problem, both plants and yeah. animals. Yeah. So yeah. we have to watch that. It's kind of like having your in-law. That's right. There's just nothing you can do. They're just there. Anyway, but not that I'm speaking from experience. Oh, we are looking at a lot of heat out west from Seattle all the way down to Fresno. 17 million people, heat advisories, heat warnings. We could see some records for Spokane today, Boise, Idaho, 100, Medford, 102, Fresno, 105 degrees. Jet stream dips down to the south here. So, Raleigh, you're going to be a little cooler than the average at 82. Atlanta, 80 degrees. That's eight degrees cooler than average. And temperate conditions really stretching from Portland with the low 80s. New York City will be in the mid 80s into the weekend and early next week. Hello, Cleveland. You're going to see temperatures in the 80s. Minneapolis, upper 70s, looking pretty darn good. We also do have a lot of uh, wet weather making its way through the south today into tomorrow as the storm system pushes across areas of heavy rain and possible flooding stretching from Houston all the way to Charlotte and Charleston. And we're going to be keeping an eye down in the tropics, a tropical disturbance has a 30% chance of development right here along the coast of Mexico. So we're going to be watching that very closely as well. And that is your latest weather, guys. Mm -hmm. All right, Al, guys. Thanks. Just ahead, Craig, I know you recently learned to drive stick shift. A couple years ago. Guess what? what? Manual cars are getting the boot. They're stuck in the past. That's no. what people are saying. Yes. How did that? What is driving the end of an era? We're going to find out after these messages. This thing is 
awesome! <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to explain that. that awesome clip. Chanel's in for Carson. Good morning. It's good to see you, Chanel. That was out a couple of years ago. He gave Craig a scare. Uh, he was driving really fast. You were giving well, you were Chanel, driving was lesson. in there too. Out yeah. in the back seat. And, right. and, so and we were learning how to learn. I was teaching. We were teaching Chanel and Craig how to drive a stick. Yeah. Oh. We never. I don't know how to drive a stick shift. Yeah. But now, do clearly, you now? Did you learn there? I learned. But Al Roker just—he was out of control with. He right. loves a stick shift. Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, I guess apparently it may be on the way out. Yes. Yeah. The days, the days of this manual car yeah. might be over. You almost lost your lives for nothing. Because <laughs> yeah. now you learn stick. But I guess, you know, and this makes sense. In the past decade, the number of stick shift cars sold in the U.S. has dropped nearly 25%. And car makers are saying it's only going to get worse because there's low demand. You, and I can drive like stick. stick. Can you drive stick? One of my ongoing nightmares is that I'm running from a bad guy and there's a car idling. Oh, and no, I and jump it's a in stick it shift. and it's a stick and I'm jamming it and I'm jamming. No. I don't know how to, I've never learned. I wanted to, I never did. You know oh, how to drive right. stick? You do. I can. Oh, yeah. yeah. You I learned to drive I mean, on a Because stick. you feel like you're more Something in control of the car. Mm. It helps you. It, it, what about where, on a hill when you, it, well, that, the hill's when you tough. first learn it? But then you, you get, you get into it, you get it. Well, like you, when you bought a stick shift back in the day, it's a lot cheaper. Oh, absolutely. That's why we always had stick shift. It just feels like a rite of passage. Some. It's a good thing to learn, but yeah. I guess, unless just, but don't. I guess. I, I mean, I guess. I guess the rise of electric cars. Electric yeah. cars. You don't yeah. have yeah. gearbox. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. Did you learn to drive stick too that, no. that day? No. I was. I was busy bargaining with God. <laughs> I mean, I Al Roker. Got it. I, I, it's a lot of work. Like if you're not used to it, anything worthwhile. Has a little work in yeah. oh. It's well, fun. It makes go. driving more fun. It does. I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of people would agree with you. All right. Well, still ahead on Pop Start, Charlie Puth and Camila Cabello joining forces on The Voice. We're going to tell you about the fun new changes to the hit show before the new season starts in September. And then Jenna introduces us to a veteran teacher who's sharing 30 years of expertise to help families get ready for the new school year. And we've got an update on our back to school drive. <laughs> 